Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I'm here with my prestigious co-host, the world-renowned Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, my brother? Oh, all is well, man. How things are in? Man, <clears throat> man, things going good, man. No complaints over here. I'm also good. pleased to announce we have a special guest, Michael Paterano. Paterano. Am I saying it right? I, mean, I think I messed it up. Even though I actually it, it's, I still messed it up. <laughs> it's all right. Second time you got it right. It's all good. All right, Paterano. Okay, good. There you go. It's it's very straightforward. It's very simple. Yeah. But it's but people make it overcomplicated, right? It's like what we do as human beings is we try to complicate things for ourselves. Mm. You know, yeah. it can't sound that straightforward. It's got to sound something different. So, and we do that in our heads, right? It's all part of our programming of how things have to be hard or easy. You know, if we think if we tell ourselves it's going to be hard, then we make it harder than it has to be at all times. And I just did that right now. I'm guilty. So. <laughs> I, I did it my whole I did it my whole life, so it's okay. I mean, my life I made hard. It's okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about you, Mike. Uh, how many kids you got? What are their ages? And also, what do you do for a living or for a purpose? Uh, I have three kids: uh, girl, boy, girl, 13, 11, and six. I'm a solo parent. Sing, not even single solo. I'm the only parent they have as of now. Um, I am a coach, a guide. I help people find their true purpose in their inner light to help them realize that they have everything already within them, that they don't need to search outward for anything. They need to search inward. And it's my purpose. It's my passion. It's what I do. I just love it through and through. That's pretty cool. So you talked about making things uh, harder for ourselves. How how did you make parenting hard for for you, or well, harder than it needed to be? So I mean, I stayed with my ex wife so much longer than I had than I <laughs> should have, right? Because you know it was one of those things where she used to hold over my head. You're never going to have your kids. I'm not. I'm going to make sure you never get them. I'm going to. So I stayed, and I got miserable and more miserable and more miserable, and wanted to kill myself. And that's when I finally left. Um. I made it harder just by telling myself I couldn't do it, right? And then and then I lost access to him, and she disappeared with my kids for months. And when I went to go fight for my kids through COVID, and I fought for full custody abuse, her and her ex-boyfriend were abusing them. Um, so I spent all of basically 19 months of COVID time traveling all the way to Arkansas from South Florida to fight for them. And the whole time, I just made it harder on myself because I kept telling myself I couldn't do it. And when you tell yourself that you can't do something or you tell yourself it's going to be hard, we naturally find ways to make it harder. Our mind goes into our subprogramming, our subconscious, our automatic thinking, and it just makes it harder. You know, when we become conscious, self consciously and compassionately self-aware and we start thinking more aligned with our being and our purpose and our soul and, you know, on more of a conscious level and we're making choices rather than just living in the patterns of behaviors, we have an aspect of, I don't want to say control because I really don't like that word, but we have the opportunity of choice to be able to make decisions that truly align with us instead of decisions that come natural to us. So like uh, the possibilities become more obvious. Yes. Okay. We, we start seeing the opportunities. When we stop telling ourselves it's hard that we can believe that it can be easy. You know, it's just natural. You know, because we go to polar opposites at all times. It's the law of polarity and universal laws, which doesn't really matter for this conversation other than thought processes. 
your mind is going to go to one op- one polar extreme or the other. So if you're constantly believing in negative or the worst, or you're trying to look at that side of it, you're always going to see that side of it. And I lived there forever. I only saw the negative. I never saw the positive in anything until I took a step back. And when I was fighting for my kids, I had to face my own childhood trauma because I was abused as a child also. And that's when I started healing that stuff. And as I started healing that stuff and working with coaches, guides, shamans, priests, rabbis, all these different things, but get as many perspectives and understanding psychotherapists, therapists, as many perspectives as I could to really understand how I worked, I was able to build a way that worked for me. Because the reality is we're all unique individuals. We all have our own personal perspective and all of our perspectives are 100% accurate, but we can't expect anyone else to see our personal perspective. And the only way that that happens is when we take time to understand ourselves so that we can either explain it to others or so that we want to understand others and take the time and then they take the time in return. Because when you give them time, they're going to want to give you time in return because so many people just want to be seen, heard, and valued. And especially as fathers, because fathers are silenced so much in this world. Feminism really drowned out fatherhood. And, you know, I mean, the reality is... As bad as fatherhood is, I'm still white, so it makes it a little bit easier in case nobody noticed, right? Like, I mean, that's just the truth, right? The stigma around the black or African-American community, no matter however you want to be labeled within that, or, you know, additional melatonin, or however you want to label it for yourself, right? The reality is that male community is very silenced, and it's very difficult to stand up and share emotions and share and express but I believe those are the stigmas that we have to break because without breaking those, we don't create change. And if we're trying to raise healthy children, no matter what, what they are, man, woman, girl, girl, boy, whatever it is, they need to understand that men are whole beings because if not, then they're just going to attract the same type of broken man that we are. Mm. And I don't want that for my kids. I, I want them to find something that works better for them. I want them to be able to evolve. I want them I want them to look at me as a living example of what's possible, not what is typical. So you, you mentioned uh you you're going through trauma as a kid and kind of having that kind of carry over to you know your parent your parenthood and adult life. Um what was that process like um you know really like getting deep into the and getting it to, from the root and, and 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 healing yourself from from all that. What was that process like? You want the truth or do you want it sugarcoated? The truth, of course. It was absolute <laughs> hell. Yeah. It was torture. It was months of crying and journaling and crying and journaling and flushing out all that pain, all that trauma, getting to the darkest, deepest moments I've ever been through in my life. And I've been through some crazy crap. But like being willing to sit in that with the confidence and understanding and building self-worth and self-love to the point saying that now I know I can grow through anything. And I look at it as growing through now. I don't call it going through. I don't call it went through. I call it growing through because that's really what we're in is a state of growing. And I call my state of being growing forward because every day I'm learning and adapting and growing and evolving. It's a permanent state. I guess, so like a follow-up question, um, are you, so did you have to get to the point where you had to, um, I'm trying to see how how to ask this, but like, 
I guess as far as like the acceptance of it, you were saying like it was, you know, it was a process where you were crying and journaling, crying and journaling. Like, how did you get to the point where you started to accept like the things that happened to you as a kid? Or did you get to that point? Or like, can you go into that? So I look at it as awareness is the first step. And it's not gentle awareness. It's judgmental. It's self-hatred. It's self-putrid. It's beating myself up. It's tearing myself down. It's de- It's really shredding myself to nothing, right? And that was the type of self-awareness that it started at because that's all I knew. That's what I was raised with. Mm-hmm. That was the kind of level of care I was shown during those trauma states. So I had to go back to that space and grow through it to start going from awareness, acknowledgement, to understanding, to acceptance, to embracing and looking at my absolute worst moments as my deepest my deepest strengths today. Because if I wouldn't have went through that, there's no way I would have been able to been there for my kids when they needed me most, when I was fighting for them for those 19 months. Because I lost contracts. I lost three companies that I had. I lost the house I was living in because the lease expired. I mean, I was there 19 months. So I lost everything during COVID. And I had to go fund me up and I was trying to survive and I was trying to do whatever it took to try and just make it through to be able to protect my children. And it was, it ended up being the greatest blessing I could ever imagine that whole experience as torturous as it was, you know, the fact that, you know, when I'm in a mood now and something's off, my six-year-old comes up to me and says, dad, go journal, dad, go meditate, dad, go write a self-forgiveness letter. You can't act the way you're acting. The fact that my six-year-old who went through her own trauma is self-aware enough to understand what impacts me in healthy ways. And she calls me out and holds me accountable to my own ways. That's like such an enormous gift and blessing to have. I mean, seeing it in her and knowing that when she gets to that point and her trauma comes to the surface, she's going to know that there are healthy tools available to her because she watched it and she can emulate me grow through it. It was the greatest gift and blessing in disguise that I had no idea even existed. I, I mean, I never thought that far ahead when I was in it. I was trying to survive moment to moment. It yeah. was absolute torture. Yeah, that's powerful that, that your daughter is able to pick up on that. Because all three, all three can, of them. Yeah, they can use that, you know, in their own, like you said, in their own journey. So that's 100%. Really powerful. Now you mentioned um a lot of people that you work with uh going through your journey. Uh what's one or two people that helped you the most out of everybody and how did they uh how did they help you to name one or two isn't fair okay because every single one brought something to the table but what i will say is at this point there was a collective group of people that i would have never been who i am today without them mm-hmm. and there was upwards of 40 to 50 of them over time but the reality what it really boils down to at the end of the day was and the one thing that they taught me was that without me, I wouldn't have done any of it. So if there's someone I can say that did the most and was the most impactful on myself, it was me. Because I found that value of self. I found my self-worth. I found my self-love. And without those core things, I would never be who I am today. So as men, as much as all that they all gave me opportunities to be impacted, they all, they all imparted wisdom upon me. If I wasn't open to it, I would have never have done anything. So really, if I'm going to be grateful for something or someone, I'd have to be grateful for myself 
I'm tremendously, tremendously grateful that, you know, God, source, universe, whatever you want to call it, Billy Bob Joe, it doesn't care, I promise. Whatever you want to call it, put all these people in my life because without any one of them, I would never be who I am today. Even the crappy experiences, because there was many crappy ones too, or most people would look at them as crappy. I look at those as the greatest gifts. You know, I used to say I was in a shit storm and then one of the shamans I worked with used to say, well, look for the chocolate in it. And I couldn't understand that concept. <laughs> and, and and now it's like, I'm always finding truffles, right? Like I'm always seeing the shit, but it's always turns into truffles. So it's like, you know, you've got to get to a point where, you know, I guess it's the only way that you can tell that I have that Italian last name is my talk with my damn hands. Um, but it's like, you know, like... <sighs> I just can't magnify the impact each individual had on me, especially the ones that hurt me the most mm-hmm. because they pointed out the deepest parts of myself that I needed to heal and love, you know, and I went through this transition in loving. I mean, the first 40 years, I'm 44 today. Right. And I'll be 45 next year, next May. Um, but the first 40 years of my life, I despised myself. I couldn't stand myself because of the trauma, because of the pain, because of my spiritual gifts. Because everything was so overwhelming to me. I couldn't stand myself. I couldn't even shower with the lights on. Like I literally used to shower in the dark because I couldn't see myself. It, it just, I hated myself that much. And then over time in August of 2020, for the first time, I said, I love myself, which was this enormous breakthrough, you know? And then what I realized was I loved myself conditionally. I loved myself if I did this. I loved myself if I did that. And then, and then over time, it turned into uh, by 2021, by the end of 2021, a year, a little bit over a year later, when I was out of there and moved out to Pennsylvania, was awarded custody. I thought I accomplished something. I was so proud of myself. But I survived. I grew through. Nobody, you know, I, I, whatever I had this image in my head of what I needed to accomplish, I became in love with myself, which is I ignored my flaws, right? And I became love is blind. So, I became very blind towards the things about myself that I still need to work on, the things about myself that I didn't want to see, I didn't see. And then last year, I had a major stroke last November, a year, uh, November 16th of 2022. And the gift from that stroke is so enormous and so life-changing. I mean, there was an 86% chance I should have been a vegetable for the rest of my life. And I drove myself home right after the stroke happened because it happened when I was driving with my son in the car. He'll tell the, he could tell the story. Put up to a red light. I said, Thomas, I don't feel right. My eyes rolled to the back of my head, passed out cold. As soon as the light turned green, he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Dad, you guys drive home with the lights green. I opened my eyes and drove home right away. No issues. Next day, I woke up half paralyzed for the first six weeks and then I healed myself through that process. It was this enormous blessing because from that point forward, I unconditionally loved myself. And it took me months to figure out what changed. Because it was such a revelation for me. I had no concept of what changed. I love my flaws. I love my uniqueness. I love my weirdness. I love my directness. I love every facet of who I am. But also by being in a perpetual state of growing forward, I understand that there's always work to do. There's always evolution to take. And every day is a process of moving in that direction. It's not better or worse. It's just evolving. It's just one foot in front of the other. I don't like labeling better or worse, good or bad, easy, hard, because our mind goes there. And if we were willing to say one polar thing, our mind immediately sees the other polar opposite. So if we go into those labels, 
then we immediately give in to the other extreme as well. So rather than that, I just look at everything as lessons and blessings. Everything. Everything is a blessing, no matter how we look at it. It might not feel that way at first, but those will always be the biggest ones. The stroke was by far the greatest greatest blessing that ever happened to me. I released attachment to all things. I understand gratitude deeper than I ever have. Like, I'm grateful to be alive. Every morning I wake up, I start my day with, thank God I'm alive. I get to live in my purpose and impact souls all day. I closed my business down for 10 months because I needed to heal myself. And I'm just, I just, it's just amazing. Like, everything works out. Everything. Especially when it doesn't feel like it's going to. So, so Michael, what, what is the meaning of life? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. To fully embrace and live the experience that it is. To experience the whole emotional spectrum. The absolute worst of the worst, the absolute best of the best. I look at the emotional emotional spectrum as a Band-Aid, right? In childhood, we get into conformed into these ways and these systems, and our emotional Band-Aids really shrinks, right? We think we're happy, but we don't understand what happy is because we don't understand what miserable is. Um, so the more we're willing to sit in the pain, the more we're willing to grow through the pain, the torment, the hurt, the grief, the everything that goes with that that end of the spectrum, the greater we can go to the other end of the rubber band that's constantly expanding into infinite possibilities and go into that joy and peace and self-love and really radiate from a place of self-understanding and self-awareness in a compassionate, loving, unconditionally loving way. Do you think you have to go through all of the emotions? Like really? 100%. 100%. I think if you avoid any of them, then you're going to miss out on the polar opposite. The law, universal law of polarity. You can't have one without the other. If you have the toxic positivity and you ignore all the bad ones, then you're not really experiencing the positivity. You're just faking it. Mm. It's not real. If, you, if you've never felt pain, then you can't really feel love. Mm. You can fake love, but you don't know what love is until you prove to yourself that you can grow through the pain. Because the amount of self-love you build and self-worth and self-confidence you build by growing through these experiences is the depth of love and understanding and emotions that we feel for ourselves. And once we feel that for ourselves, then we can radiate it out to the world. We can't radiate out to the world what we don't have. But you just said um, toxic, toxic positivity. Can you go into that? To me, toxic, toxic negativity and toxic positivity is when you ignore the opposite extreme and, and always. Mm. Anytime you're only going all in on one with ignoring the other extreme, you're not doing, you're, you're not doing yourself any justice. Because you're doing it half-assed and you're just floating through life and you're not experiencing the emotional bandwidth, the emotional capacity. If you take, so here's the thing, right? This is the way I look at it. If you take anyone who's been through an extreme circumstance, the smallest little positivity will bring out the greatest joy in them more than the person who's never experienced any negative because they understand the pits of despair. So they have an understanding and a depth of being that they expand their range to what they appreciate. 
it's to me it's really direct and simple you can't appreciate what you don't what you don't see and you're not going to see the little things if you only if you're always shooting for the big things and ignoring any of the bad the things that are cha more challenging or they're lower lower spectrum things so is it because an example of like toxic positive toxic positivity like if somebody's uh let's say your house is burning down and you're like, it's okay. You know, uh, I have insurance or something like that. Instead of trying to call the fire department, trying to put the, the fire out. Is that is that like an example of toxic positivity? I think toxic positivity would be, in that example, and I can only say because I've been through a house fire and lost everything in 2015, October 19th of 2015. I'm the idiot that kept running back in to get the fireproof safe um, because I thought that it was so important. Like even the fire chief is like looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? Going to get the fireproof safe. And he's like, it's fireproof. And I said, I know, but I have to have it. I don't know why, but I have to have it. And whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> that was another near death experience, but that's a whole another conversation. Um, because I kept going in for 30 minutes after the, after all the fire people was told not to go in anymore. And I kept going in to find the fireproof safe. The problem was it was in a room with the fire, <laughs> where the fire started. So me attempting it just didn't benefit anyone. He's, he thought he was going to have to scrape me off the ground to drag me out of the house. Um, toxic positivity in that situation to me would be, I get all new stuff. It doesn't matter. Like, that's it. Just not looking at dealing with insurance, not dealing with the police, not dealing with the house, not dealing with having to live out of a suitcase or or live with nothing and live in your dirty, smoky clothes. Like just ignoring all those things and just being like, well, I could just go to the store and buy all brand new stuff right now. And I get new stuff. Like, I mean, that to me is ignoring the emotional bandwidth or God forbid somebody got hurt in it and just yeah. looking past that as well and saying, well, at least I get all new stuff, right? They're not digging into their emotional capacity to understand what was lost. I mean, I lost stuff that I can never replace ever. I lost my whole sports card collection, which based on this crazy sports card market now would be so much money and stupid. Like it would change my whole life, but it doesn't matter. I lost stuff that was my mother and my father's that would never be recaptured ever again. It was a hundreds of years old stuff from passed down in generations, just melted to the ground. But at the end of the day, I processed that grief, sat in that grief, understood that grief, and then crew folk gave me it gave me less attachment to physical things and helped me to release the attachment to physical things, knowing that me and my kids and at that time, my ex-wife were all safe. We made it through. We were able to be okay. We appreciated the little things, you know, those are, that to me is healthy because you process the stuff. But if you just ignore the pain and you go anywhere, try and bypass it in any way, shape or form, you're hurting yourself and everyone around you. No, that's interesting. Cause I know a lot of people, especially nowadays, like they try to, uh, you know, they say, be positive, be positive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just ignore like any negative things or like the negative emotions that comes along with just life itself. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Po uh, toxic positivity. Well, I mean, you, you've been in my audio rooms, right? So you see, like, I go into the depth. I'm like, bring your darkest, deepest. Let's go. Like, mm -hmm. I'll hold the space. You're safe here. Let's do this. 
Because the minute you go to that depth, you're going to start looking at things in a completely different way. You're going to see things around you that you never saw before. You're going to see the butterflies, the birds, the flowers growing. You're going to see these weird things that never made sense to you before. That you could never put your finger on. Because your perspective is so different now. You're able to grow through the experience. And so much of this world is stunting our growth because the system works better when we don't grow and evolve. The system is much happier when we fit in. Yeah, especially for men, it's real taboo to talk about, you know, emotions as men, even as kids. Like, you know, I can speak for myself. Like, I didn't really have those conversations with my dad about feelings, you know, stuff like that. And, and we have feelings too. And, uh, a lot of times when we, you know, have tra traumatic experiences or we get hurt, we kind of push those things down and they come out in other ways. So mm -hmm. uh, it's good talk, man. It's, it's good to talk about this type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was told as a kid, you know, ignore it, like brush it off. Stop being a baby. Don't cry. It doesn't hurt that bad. You're not allowed, you know, you can't express it. Yeah, That's what I was baby. told. Yeah. Right. And the only three times I ever saw my father cry. Uh, was when his mother died, when his sister died. And I think there were tears of joy when my mother died. Because yeah. they, you know, they didn't really want to be together. On his deathbed, he told me, he goes, I wish I would have done what you did and protect you with the way that you protected your kids. Nicest thing he ever said to me. So. <laughs> uh, are you a Catholic? No. 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 I'm spiritual. I don't... Well, I'm I, talking about like your parents and growing up. I was raised. I was raised in a in a Roman Catholic church. The, the okay. smiting God, the we're gonna we're gonna destroy you, you know all that stuff, and it never really sat right with me. And because I experienced my first near death experience when I was very young, my beliefs went much deeper, much earlier. And then I started having repeated near death experiences. I drowned twice before eleven. I OD'd my first three times at 12. I overdosed my first three times at 12. Um, so, like, my understanding was just a completely different level. And my spiritual gifts were there, which is why I started drinking at such a young age to begin with, to numb it all out. Because I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to understand. I didn't want it to be me because I didn't, un I didn't believe I was worth it. I didn't love myself. I didn't have any capacity to love myself. I mean, how could I? Yeah. Yeah, the reason I asked because you you were saying your um, your mom and dad didn't want to be together, and um, you know, in Catholicism, you're not really supposed to get a divorce. So yeah, that's why I asked the question. Uh, my mom was Jewish, and my father was Roman Catholic. He went to Catholic high school and grew up in they grew they both grew up in the Brooklyn ghetto. He was the only Jewish fa family there, and you know, the rest of it was the Italians uh, in the fifties. It was, it, you know, they, the Jewish community then and the Italian community then was very similar because they were both equally hated by everyone. So mm. it was like they rallied together and they had very similar traits. So the fact that my mother was Jewish and my father was Catholic didn't really matter because no, neither of them practiced religion. Okay. Um, so it was, you know, yeah, we had Christmas. Yeah, but we talked about Hanukkah also. But it wasn't really religious. I mean, I was confirmed, I was baptized, I was communed, but it didn't matter. Like there was no going to church every week. There was none of that crap. 
it was all hollow. It was hollow beliefs just to satisfy the 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 appearance. So um how has single fatherhood been or solo parenting been since you be uh got custody of the kids? What's that been like for you? When I was going through my healing process, it was very difficult to come to terms with the fact that, you know, as I went on that self that love that self love journey, which I was explaining, it was you know I'm going to try and escape and I'm going to try and find somebody to love me and I'm going to find put my value in somebody else and find a partner because how am I going to ever do this alone? And as I've gone that on that journey and gone farther further into it and unconditionally now love myself, I have zero interest in a partner and I absolutely love it. I there is nothing my kids miss out on. It's amazing. They are growing and learning in ways that I could never even imagine. And I promise to give them much different trauma than I went through and that they went through before. Because, you know, their perspective is going to be their perspective, right? So I can't control what their perspective is. All I can do is the best I can to be open and honest and transparent with them. And I am in every way possible. But they're still going to come out with their trauma that they're going to have to grow through. Because that's their path and that's their journey. So... But and I mean, you feel I, like you, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Reem. Uh, I was just going to ask, do you feel like you ever um, would be like in a relationship again? Uh, uh, one thing I've learned through this process and now through unconditionally loving myself is I have standards. I have a list of non-negotiables and I will not sacrifice my non-negotiables or sacrifice myself to be with anyone. I don't care who it is. I've tried over the last three and four years and it just never aligned and felt right. It just never worked. It's to the point that I'm so self-aware that I walk away before it even starts because I just know where it's going. Because if you're not living into your words and you're not acting the way that you speak and you're not doing these things and your integrity is really dog shit, I have no interest in having you in my life. You don't align. You gotta, you gotta be in a constant state of perpetual learning and growing and understanding and self-development and and a journey of self-love. You don't have to be where I'm at. I don't care what part of the journey you're on. You just have to be on your journey and committed to understanding yourself. Because I look at spirituality as self-understanding. That's really what I look at spirituality as. Mm -hmm. Constantly on a journey of self-understanding. I believe that the, the destination for life is the journey. We keep putting these carrots in front of us to reach a destination. All the spiritual community talks about ascension. Ascension happens at death. I don't know why they're in such a rush to get there. I don't think they have a concept of what that means. You're in a human body. You can't ascend until you die. So why are you rushing to ascend? Like live the experience, learn, heal your heal your wounds and evolve. That is the journey. Elevate your personal inner vibration. Find a way to live in your inner peace. I try to radiate from a space of a vibration if you look at the consciousness scale of peace. And that's where I try to stay at basically on a daily basis. Because that from a space of peace, I can radiate love. I can radiate understanding. I can also meet somebody where they're at on anger, shame, guilt, blame, and show them the light to elevate themselves up. But I also explain this isn't an overnight process. It takes time. There's transitions, there's layers for everything. Shrek is brilliant. Like Shrek is a genius. The whole onion thing was like one of the smartest things he ever said. 
you know, we're all like an onion. There's just layer after layer. Like, I mean, some of these kids' cartoons are absolutely brilliant. That's another thing I learned from having my kids all the time. Like, some of these cartoons, like, they are really unbelievably brilliant. Everybody wants to talk about the negativity with them and the negative side of it. But some of the stuff that these cartoons come out with are life-changing if you focus on it. Sure, sure. You said the consciousness scale. That's um, power versus force. Yeah, Dr. David Hawkins. Yep. Yeah. No, I love that stuff. Power versus force and then transcending levels of consciousness. Did you get to that one yet? No, no. That's Uh, that's the next one. That's the next one in the series. Go get it. Transcending levels of consciousness. Okay. If you like if you like power versus force, you will love that one. He literally goes through each level of consciousness and describes how one individual impacts the whole scale. Yeah, I know in um in power versus force, he was talking about uh just the population. Mm-hmm. And was saying that twelve people balance out well. Their consciousness oh, yeah. is so high that it yeah. brings everybody else's up. Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's it's ironic that he uses those numbers, right? And Jesus had Jesus had twelve disciples, so mm-hmm. you know. But then again, if Jesus had a YouTube, the whole world would be Jewish. So you know, let the world <laughs> think about let the world think about that, right? <laughs> well, then again, he'd also be he'd also be very dark skinned So I mean, that's another thing for the world to think about, like, you know. He he wasn't he wasn't Korean Jesus and he wasn't white Jesus. He was definitely closer to a black Jesus. But you know, we can change and more shit however we choose to, to manipulate and control people. Right. You know, nothing against the religion and the faith. I love the faith. I love all faith. I love all religion. It's the men and humans that have controlled it and manipulated it over the generations that are disgusting. More people in this world have been killed because of religion. You're supposed to be praying to a god. You're supposed to be praying to a higher power. But in the name of religion, more people have been killed than anything else. It's so sick and twisted. And nobody takes a step back and says, what are we doing? I don't understand it. But yeah, the levels of consciousness are amazing. And uh, another book that I love of his, Dr. David Hawkins, is Letting Go. That had a huge impact on me reading that book. That was a huge help when I was in the midst of my chaos of healing. Because the depth that it went to settled my mind quite a bit and helped me become more aware of the situational dynamics and my generational dynamics and the reason that I kept trying to repeat things in my life. And the way that Dr. David Hawkins explained it just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. So my whole goal is to understand on a mental and emotional and a spiritual level. Because I look for a multi-layered alignment within myself. So to do that, I, there's practices, daily practices to keep in line for all three. And there's infinite ways to get there. How do you uh, how do you meditate? Like what um, do you use like an app or do you um, just sit in a, in a quiet spot? Or how what's your practice look like? I do frequency meditations. I don't do guided because I don't like the other voice in my head. Uh, I have a serious issue when the frequency of the voice doesn't match the frequency of the sound. So it really messes with me. I've been very, I've become very attuned to the frequency levels. Um, and so I do frequency based meditations. I also sleep to frequencies. Like I put on alpha, beta, theta waves, uh, 432 megahertz, 528, 888, 963, 741. 
I really stick to frequencies every single night and intuitively pick the one that seems like will be what I need for that night. And I best night sleeps I've ever read in my life. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's my meditation. I mean, I just go deep into it and I do journeys. I do, I do shamanic journeys because I was trained by shamans. So I do shamanic journeys. I do my own spiritual journeys and my own knowing and my own wisdom. And, um, and then I do a lot of energy work and I do a lot of moving of energy, shifting of energy, transmuting energy, uh, for myself and for the collective daily. But every night before I go to sleep, I do my daily practice of directly connecting to my higher power, clearing everything for the day, clearing myself, clearing everything that I grew through, releasing myself of any blame, shame, and guilt that I could possibly carry against myself. And I set that intent before going to sleep. And then I usually I usually set the collective intent, too, before going to sleep. Because we are what we believe. So everything starts with thought and beliefs. So... Being aware of our thoughts changes our beliefs and being aware of our and changing our beliefs changes how we act and changing how we act changes who we are because we are how we act. I, we are have the you ever tried um, like ayahuasca? No. I did enough um, drugs in my day that I don't, I can tap into any of the flashbacks. I can tap into any flashback at any given point in time. I did enough ecstasy, I can tap into it. I did enough acid, I can tap into it. Um, you know, my, the only two things I put in my body now are caffeine and, and nicotine and that's it. Like okay. other than that, no, I mean, but I look at my cigarettes as plant medicine. So they're just another form of tobacco and we're limitless tying to something infinite. So I can heal myself through them. Why not? It's the intent I put into it. Like, I mean, after the stroke, I went to every doctor known to man trying to figure out what the hell happened to me. And every single one of them gave me the all clear pulmonologist said unbelievably healthy unbelievable you smoked for how long and i said two packs a day for 30 years mm -hmm. kind of just looked at me like i was crazy he's like there's no way and you know it, it also cleared my sleep apnea it healed it and it got rid of my snoring too so okay. i don't know huh no snoring it got rid of my snoring and i used to snore like a like i would i would rattle the roof of the house and i don't snore no more anymore <laughs> it got rid of all that the stroke i don't know why but it did so I, I sleep better than I've ever slept in my life. I don't wake up in the middle of the night. I don't freak out. My mind's not racing. I sleep solid anywhere from five and a half to lately it's been about five and a half hours, but then I go through the phases where it goes up to seven and a half, eight hours too. I allow myself to go to sleep whenever I get tired. I don't fight it. My kids are upstairs at seven for the night. So if I need to go to bed at eight, I'll go to bed at eight. I don't care. I, why, what am I missing out on? Nothing doesn't matter i have no one i'm not obligated to anyone I'm, I'm obligated to myself to love myself and take care of myself so that i can be the best version healthiest version most authentic version of myself every day there is no better or worse there is for me it's just a level it's just about authenticity and i just need to be my, the most authentic version of myself every day i need to live into my authenticity it's interesting how you kind of frame that because you know a lot of people look at cigarettes like, uh, I'm smoking a cigarette, it's going to make me sick. Uh -huh. yeah. It heals wonder if that's the reason why people get sick from smoking. Probably. Because they're thinking about, Probably. this is causing me to get sick. And I sit there and I say, this is healing me. Yeah. Literally, I say that. As I drink coffee, as I drink caffeine, as I drink water, as I drink soda, as I drink whatever I drink, I eat what I want, I say it's healing me. I don't care. It's all healing me. Why not? I'm limitless and I'm tied into infinite. So what's the difference? 
I'm here until they're done with me. It's outside of my control. It could be a heart attack. I could fall and hit my head on a banana and end up in front of a bus. I mean, I feel like it's just going to be a comedy routine when I finally die with all my near-death experiences. So, like, it's just going to be, like, literally a comedy routine. So, but yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, I'm I'm here for as long as he wants. As long as my higher power wants me here, I'm here. And I'll live in my purpose every moment until then. Yeah, powerful. So, go ahead. Earlier, you said that you had uh, five near death influences? 16. 16? Oh, yes. Huh? Can you can you talk about, um, I guess, can you talk about those experiences or like some of the, did you see anything or? Yes. Like, what did you every, feel? Every single, every single one. Every single one I saw something different. Every single one I got different messages. Every single one, it was the same format, but different knowings came from it. And every time I came back from it, it and it there was a new ability or gift that I was able to tap into. So I don't know how much you guys ever talk about these things, but if you ever go look up clairvoyant, claircognizant, clairsentient, clara Um, claircognizant, clairvoyant, clairsentient. Um, oh, what are the other ones? There's there's a whole there's a whole slew of them. I always say that eclair is my favorite of the clairs, but I have all the clairs. Always have. Ever since my first near death experience, I've had them all. I'm a true empath. I'm a healer. I'm all these different things. I mean, I healed myself from a major stroke. Like I I went to the hospital 26 hours after my stroke, and they looked at me and they're like, "There's no way you had a stroke," because I walked myself in. And they're like, there is no way. Even though you're limping on your left side, there is no way you had a stroke. They did the scan. They immediately admitted me. They didn't even tell me what was going on. They're like, you had a major stroke through place in your brain. I'm like, cool. All right, I'm going home. <laughs> and they go, what do you mean? You can't go home. And I'm like, why? You said that the medicine only works if you're here within six hours. So why am I here? And they're like, well, your blood pressure is high, your sugar is high. And I'm like, right, but that's my body adjusting to the trauma. That's all going to heal itself. I went to the doctor today, which is a year. Uh, I don't even know what today's date is. A year and five days later, and my blood pressure is the best it's been since I was 18. 128 over 76. My pulse was 79. I'm still overweight, but you know what? I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm healthy. The healthiest I've ever been. My blood sugar is way down. I mean, it's like I'm barely even type 2, type 2 diabetic anymore. It was off the charts. Like, I mean, my thyroid is working again when it was completely shut down after the, after the stroke. Like, it has truly healed itself. And my doctor just looks at me and she calls me to walk a miracle. She's like, I, I don't know how to explain this. And that's all she says to me. She's like, I have no idea how to explain this. None of them could put a finger on how it happened. None of them. So, and I went to every doctor, every test, everything. Um, yeah, I mean, each one was a new revelation. Each one of them was a deeper understanding some of them was telling me my purpose. Some of them was explaining my gifts. Uh, there was a couple that were warning me to stay out of circumstances I was about to get into. Uh, there was a, there two of them were because guns misfired at point blank range when they were being held at me. Um, mm. And, you know, what those, what came to me through my sleep those nights, both of those nights, I remember it vividly, was what would have happened if I didn't get through it and how to avoid those situations going forward or growing forward. 
so like it was it was like also teaching me lessons at the same time like yes you're here for a reason but stop being stupid and putting yourself in harm's way to you know keep tempting things like you know be a little bit smarter about how you play your life don't be such a cocky little asshole like i mean that's literally how it felt at times now granted it's unconditional higher power is unconditional um, my understanding of a higher power is very different than most people. Yeah, there's Jesus. Yeah, there's God. Yeah, there's Buddha. Yeah, there's Muhammad. There's all these religions are valid. I will never put down a religion. The humans that control them, that's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. The religions itself is cultural beliefs based on their subset and understandings of certain aspects of religion. There's a lot more similarities than differences with all of them. That is the truth, too. Yeah. Um, but the reality is people don't want to see that because that doesn't serve their purpose. Because if you can't hate somebody, then you have to look at yourself. And nobody wants to look at themselves. Nobody wants to be accountable. Um, each near-death experience showed me something different about myself. Like I said, the most recent one, the stroke, which I was out cold in the car for however long I came and tell you, my son would be a better gauge of how long I was gone. Um, but the releasement of attachments because I was so attached to people, places, and things, to be able to allow people to unconditionally come in and out of my life without regards of attempting to control the scenario, having to keep someone around, any of those things, or trying to change myself to fit what somebody else wanted to keep them in my life, to being attached to living in a specific place or a specific way, the attachment to having specific cars or specific things, it's all gone. I just don't care. Like, none of it matters. It's all good. As long as I'm impacting souls, I don't care about the rest. And, you know, the gratitude thing was an enormous revelation. Like, me understanding the value of waking up every day. It's 400 trillion to one that we would be a human being at this point in time in, in the world. And that's scientifically proven. 400 trillion to one. Does anybody even understand how big that is? Like, there's 8 billion people on this planet we complained about 8 billion. We're talking about 400 trillion. Like, that's insane. That's 50. Is that 50? No, that's 500. That's 5,000 times. If I'm doing the math right. Uh, I think so. But, like, that's insane if we just quantify that number. And then 150,000 people die every day on average. Like, waking up is a miracle. If you wake up, you should be the happiest human being on this damn planet. Because you're getting a chance to live into a miracle and a purpose. You just got to be willing to find it. But the fire, the power, the ability, the gift of breathing and being able to impact other souls is so magical and so brilliant. And it is so fulfilling when you're willing to look at yourself first. I think that answered your question, but I don't think so. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, each one each one was so different, right? Like I remember the drownings. I was underwater from anywhere to 17 to 15, 15 to 20 something minutes. And I had two drownings, one at nine, one at 11. Um, those I remember entities coming and grabbing me, taking me here, sitting down, talking with me in an, in an ethereal sense, right? Like we're all, we're all ether, but it was like, I remember knowing, just having a knowing of who these entities were and yeah. sitting down and, there's a lot of Judeo-Christian because that's how I was raised, right? Was that Judeo-Christian? So if something more intelligent than us that's all-knowing is going to send something to us, it's something that we understand. It's not going to send something to us and say, this is this is Johnny Billy Joe and he has no teeth. And, you know, he's going to sit here and tell you 
you know, how to run a tractor, right? Because it would make sense and you wouldn't be able to relate to it. So it sends you what you understand and believe in. Yeah. So it reinforces those beliefs. But what was interesting was it revealed a depth of understanding beyond what I was comfortable with. And it would bring me to these places and show me different things from past, from future, from present, things that I wasn't able to see going on around the world or in myself. And since time doesn't really exist except in human capacity, mm -hmm. again, manipulation and control, right? We love to have control. It's all about distance and space. It has nothing to do with time. Like that's why you can't even quantify how how long it would take to get anywhere in the universe or a universe is because there it doesn't time doesn't exist. It's all about distance. And you mm -hmm. have to measure the distance. It's called light years because they have no other word for it. So it's like, you know, so like being on the other side and understanding these messages and then being taught and shown how I could have impacted things differently and how I could have been a little bit different. And what did I learn from that experience? And then taking me in the past lives and saying, this is why you had needed to repeat this situation to heal this situation. And these are all gifts that I was given each time in different ways. So there, it's a multi-layered answer. And that will be a book eventually, but I don't know. More encyclopedia. I'm not sure yet. I, know, I was going to say what you said, talking about um, like being sent something you're familiar with. It made me think of uh, Ghostbusters, the first Ghostbusters movie. At the end, the, marshmallow, the marshmallow man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stay puff. Yeah, stay puff. The huge Michelin. He looked like the Michelin guy. Yes, <laughs> hysterical. Yeah. Um, I'm forgetting like what the uh, who they were fighting, but she was like, uh, "Choose your your destroyer or whatever." And they had to clear their minds, but then uh, Ray he thought about the marshmallow man, and that's what made. I don't know. That made me think of Ghostbusters, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much what it's like, though, because if you think about it, an all-knowing, omnipresent, unconditionally loving being, why would it send something to you that you're not going to understand? Yeah. It's going to send something to you that makes sense to you to shift, either shift your perception or reestablish or increase the depth of your understanding. Yeah. So it's it's just a process, a step-by-step -step process. But again, I believe it's all about self-understanding because most of what I was showing was understanding different levels of myself. Not that I was ready to acknowledge it or accept it at those ages, but it came in handy when I started working with shamans and doing different journeys and going understanding how to do journeys without any plant medicine or any type of medicine. Mm -hmm. I don't need the microdosing. I don't need the ayahuasca. I've done it all on a shamanistic level without the medicine. It's all possible. All that is an enabler and an excuse. Because if you tell yourself that the only way you're going to be able to get there is by going through plant medicine, then that's going to be the only way you can get there, right? Like, yeah. it's real. I look at things really simply right now. Like, the only limits that we have in our life are the limits we create. So why do we love creating so many damn limits? Because the minute we say no, it's already done. It's over. The minute we say it's hard, it's already over. Because our mind is going to keep pushing it further away and we're going to self-sabotage. We're going to push. We're never going to be able to reach there because it's hard. Isn't it? like, it's got to be hard if we're telling ourselves it's hard. Our mind doesn't know any better. It's it's the ego. That's what I look at. That's the way I look at the mind. The mind is ego. It's the veil between us and our higher power, whatever we want to call it. It doesn't care what you call it. I promise you. It doesn't care. Um, we care. Our ego cares. 
our what I look at it is the mind is the ego because it's constantly running on pre-programmed mental capacity thoughts, and it tries to protect the human experience. Our human experience is what our higher power wanted to experience through us because it doesn't take physical form, whatever the higher power is. Mm-hmm. So it's just understanding experience through each individual perspective on this planet, all 8 billion. That means all 8 billion are correct. All 8 billion are true. There's 8 billion truths on this planet. There's 8 billion perspectives on this planet. And until we start taking time to understand other perspectives, then we're wasting our time just fighting ourselves. So the only way to keep balance is by alchemizing, you know, your ego and alchemizing every facet of ourselves, our emotions, our mental, our physical, our spiritual. It's all about alchemizing, you know, alchemizing and balancing and creating that inner union game. Because that's what I see. I mean, everything, there is no darkness without light. There is no lightness. There is no light without darkness. Having one fish swimming around in circles, all white doesn't help anyone. Having one fish swimming around all dark, all black doesn't help anyone. It's got to be the balance. Without the balance, there's nothing. You can't experience the great without going through the bad. You can't experience the bad without understanding there's a great. And all, all humans are really, really interesting. All you need is a sliver of hope. If you can grab onto that sliver of hope in the darkest moments, I don't care if you have to hold on to somebody else as that sliver of hope until you can believe it in yourself, as long as you're starting to believe it in yourself. Whatever it takes. There's many people that I work with that I am their sliver of hope. But I, one thing I do is I always teach them to connect directly to their higher power. I always reinstill in them that they are self-empowered and self-inspired. Because I don't want somebody depending on me. I don't want a bunch of eight, I don't want eight billion toddlers running around this planet. I'm fine with the three. I don't need more. Like people need to learn that they are self-empowered and they are self-inspired. Like those are the greatest gifts you can give to any other human being. And that's what I try to instill in people every day. I, I work on instilling it in my kids. My son looks at me, he goes, Dad, are you proud of me? And I look at him and I say, Yeah, are you proud of you? Because that's what really matters. Because that's the truth doesn't matter what I think. I'm going to be dead. He's got another 40 years after I'm gone, 50 years after I'm gone. What the hell does it matter what I think? I'll be dust somewhere. I'll be cremated. Throw my ass somewhere. I don't care. <laughs> like, it don't matter to me. I mean, I'm gone. What do I care? I'm going back to the ether. Yeah. Where things are much lighter and stuff. I don't have to worry about a diet. I don't have to worry about fitting into somebody's idea or perception of me. I get to just be me. And it doesn't, it's all good, whatever it is. And if time doesn't exist, then whatever we're here to do has already been done. So right now, we're just living the experience. Release the pressure, release the expectations, release the stress that we put on ourselves. Because it's already completed. We are just living the experience to get there. Whatever we are meant to do, it's already done. Time doesn't exist. We're living that gap of distance in between. It's not time, it's distance. So you might as well feel it all. You might as well express it all. You might as well live to the extent, live to the extreme experiences. Go run in the rain. Go run in the sun. Go run around naked. I don't care. Don't bother me. Any. Not my life. Just don't run on my lawn. That's all I, yeah. I mean, I don't even care about that. I mean, it's half frozen now. So if you want to do that, just yeah, ice skate or something. Wear ice skates or something. Like, I don't need to be sued for your crazy, stupid ass. But like, live into something. Find your passion. Find your purpose. Live into it. There's nothing like it. 
And what you're going to do by living into your truth and authenticity is going to inspire your children to do the same. Be a whole embodied human being. Because when you start doing that, your kids naturally are drawn to it. And that's what we don't understand. And there's so many stigmas and women, oh, we want our men to be more emotional. You get emotional, they don't want you because it's crazy. We can't handle this. Then you're not the right woman. So get the hell away from me. I don't care. You'll be the mother of someone else's children. I'm fine with that too. Like, I don't care. Get out of my space. Like, you gotta be, You. it's all about self-love. You've got to work through your self-love. You've got to heal. You've got to evolve and grow. And that's why I just call it the state of growing forward. I like that, man. A lot of, a lot of gems being dropped in this one, man. It's been a good conversation. The next, um, the next question I have for you, Michael, is actually a question I already asked you. And um, you gave me a real good answer. I'll read what you said. The question was, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And you said, uh, creating a safe space for my children to be all of themselves while finding uh, their own path. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? So when I look at parenting, right, being a parent, there's societal expectations, there's generational expectations, there's all this crap that we get filtered into. At the at its core, if we want what's best for our children, the only people that know what's best for our children is them. Who the hell am I to tell them what's best for them? Go to college, go get this, go get that. That's not unconditional. That's conditional. That's conditional love. Stop deluding yourself and stop being delusional. Quit the drugs or do more drugs. Either or, whichever one, I don't care. It don't matter to me. But find your peace because you're you're destroying your children. Accept them for who they are as the perfect beings that they are and everything else will work out on its own. Stop trying to make them have the best grades. Stop trying to make them play every sport. Stop trying to prove to your neighbors, to your friends, that your kids are the best. There is no comparison. It's just like adults. You can't compare yourself with anyone else because your perspective is true. But so is theirs. Nobody is on your journey but you. So there is no ahead. There is no behind. You're the only one on it. <laughs> so that's it. Just win your own race. Compete against yourself. Live your life. Live in love. Like Ignore the hatred. Ignore the fear. Ignore, ignore what anybody else thinks. I don't care. Like My kids get frustrated with me sometimes because... I refuse to make weekend plans. I refuse. Like I used to, when, when I first started, when we first moved here, it was, it was a slight battle to get my kids to sit still and to get them to just, because we just came out of Arkansas fighting for their, fighting for their safety and their perception. So, because, you know, as long as they were in Arkansas, they didn't feel safe. So when we got here, there was a lot of restlessness, a lot of, I need to go do this. I need to go do that. And I looked at them one day and I and I took each one of them and I sat down with all three of them. And, you know, that was about two years ago. So my sixth year old was four and they were already with me for over about two years at the time. And I looked at them and I said, what do you want to do? Like, what do you really want to do? I want to play on my iPad. What do you want to do? I want to color and I want to draw. Okay. What do you want to do? I want to listen to music. So then what do we need to go somewhere for? And I really instilled on them that having their own space and figuring out how to enjoy nothing is magic. Because we are always chasing something. 
But unless we're chasing or living into our purpose within it, it's all empty. So what I've really tried to instill in them is to figure out what they love the most about doing nothing. Because if you can do nothing and be at peace in this world, you're going to run the world because all these idiot leaders around the world can't be at peace with shit. They've got to be putting their fingers in everybody else's shit every day. It's to me, it's supporting them on their path, whatever that is, and not putting any expectations from me on them and also helping them to release their own expectations. But do you, do you believe that boredom and stimulation is the same? I believe it can be when creatively, creatively used. I have an art table. I have an art table with all the art supplies in the world. They just go. They draw. They paint. They sketch. They do whatever they want to do. It's all just there. There's no pressure. Dip into it and just enjoy. Figure out what fills you. There's markers. There's crayons. There's colored pencils. There's sketching pencils. Sketching pads. Canvases. Easels. Everything. Like it's all over here. Like the whole damn table is covered. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Who cares? It's one table. But it gives them their own creativity that they can step into any time they want. It's helping them find their place, whatever that is. You know, my son likes playing video games. He creates worlds on Minecraft and whatever. More power to him. If that's what he enjoys and he's building worlds for other kids and giving them away, then go for it. Who cares? You know, my six-year-old likes to do makeup. She's six years old, but she loves doing makeup. So she taught herself. That whole story about you put 10,000 hours into something, I'll tell you, she can be a freaking makeup artist at this rate. Like, it's just what she loves. It's her passion. Who might have taken that away from her? It's her creativity outlet. Like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, take it away and say no? And then you want to control screen time, but the whole future is going to be done on screens. If they're not fluid in screens, you think that in the middle of a heart surgery, they're going to say, okay, screen time's over. Shut off the screen. Like, I mean, this is the future we're moving into. Prepare your children. You know, 50 years ago, we had to worry about our eyes getting older and not working, and there was no way to fix them. Now they do corrective surgery same day, and you can take off the mask same day, and your eyes are perfect again same day. It's called evolution. Get on board. Like, the devices, yeah, they're going to hurt our eyes. We're just not there yet. But that is where the whole future is going to get done. Everything is going to function through these things. Allow your kids to dip into it and be creative on it. You know, I went to my son's parent-teacher conference today, like I was telling Sir over here uh, earlier, right, because we spoke earlier today. And uh, my son's been having lots of trouble in school because of the trauma and his emotional understanding and the, some of the reactions he has to his own triggers and stuff. So I'm sitting down with the teacher, and he goes, and I said to him, I said, you know, I'm curious about something. He goes, what? I said, how much of the assignment yesterday did my son turn in because he had a virtual day yesterday? It's what the school the, the school did yesterday because they were they had off the rest of the week from conferences and Thanksgiving and everything else. So they gave him a virtual day yesterday. And I said, how much did he do? And the guy goes, he gave a great answer, but it was one sentence. And I said, do you understand that my son spoke to me for an hour and 15 minutes after he said he was done about that project yesterday? Nonstop. All he talked about was King Tut. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like King Tut's dead for 3,000 years. He has no impact on my life. Like, I don't need to know this. It doesn't need to take up space in my head. And he just looked at me and he kept going. And I'm like, but you turned in one sentence, Thomas. 
He just looked at me and he goes, yeah, but he gets me. So he knows what I meant. I'm like, no, that's not the way the world works. But like he, but his device through his device, even after he was done with the assignment, he started researching it because he was curious. And then he came up with all these different ideas and ways that King Tut died. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, uh -huh. you're crazy. Like, but they're tools. These devices are tools. Yeah, they're fun for them, but they're also tools. If you take away the fun, you're taking away the tool too. But you're also creating a fear, a fear pattern. No, you can't do this. So as they start acting out, the first thing they're going to do is go dive into it. My kids know my history with drugs and alcohol. My six-year-old knows my history with drugs and alcohol. I hide nothing from them. My 11-year-old looked at me today on the way back from his parent-teacher conference. He goes, you know, Dad, I'm proud of myself. And I go, why, Thomas? And he goes, because I still haven't tried drug drinking or drugs at all. You were nine when you started drinking to hide from your abuse, and I haven't touched anything. And I said, I'm glad you're proud of yourself. I'm proud of you, too. He is so self-aware that he is facing his trauma at 11. By the time he's 44 at my age, he won't have this shit to deal with. You know, then again, by then, he'll probably just think of something. It'll just pop into his house at the rate we're going. But, you know, that's a whole other story. It'll be Amazon Prime 30-second delivery, no matter what you order. Right, the drones are coming. Yeah, well, that's going to be teleporting. It'll be a whole other level by oh, then. Right. <laughs> 30 years from now. I mean, if drones are coming now, I mean, 30 years from now, it's got to be teleporting. Like, it just pops in your house. You save all the money on delivery. No, you know they're going to charge the, the teleportation. Oh, they're going to charge. Yeah. They're going to charge. It's, it's going to be a fee attached to the teleportation. Transfer. <laughs> Transfer. <laughs> well, they got to they gotta build up those profits. All right, Michael. So um, I have one last question for you, man. So um, if you can give advice to um, a father, uh, what would that advice be? Learn to master the art of responding instead of reacting. That's it. That fixes everything on its own. Because the awareness that will come with doing that and pausing and not reacting and understanding why you're pausing and what's triggering you, that is the greatest gift you can give to yourself and everyone around you. Yeah, take some time to reflect before you just breathe just pause for a second because the minute you pause the reaction's already gone right because that's our impulse so the minute you pause the impulse is gone right and doc could speak on this right so like you know we talk about you know your thoughts and the way that your subconscious works and the way that you know we do let's say 50 to sixty thousand thoughts a day upwards of 95 90 to 95 percent of those are subconscious based and pre-programmed thoughts based on your patterns and behaviors and your history. If you pause, you stop that change reaction, which means you can dip into an aware decision, a conscious decision. Like, what do I really want to do in this moment? And when you do that enough times, you're going to start paying attention to the difference between what your reaction was and what your response is. And you're going to trick yourself into believing it doesn't matter what the reality is because we make our own reality. Our truth is real. Our perspective is factual to us. It doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks. So if you start pausing, you're going to start catching those things and you'll start noticing it and you'll start shifting it. 
So to me, that's the most powerful thing I learned. It took a while because God knows I didn't want to pause. I wanted that reaction, damn it. It was so much more powerful. Give me that anger. Give me that fear. Give me that whatever it was. You know, that knee jerk, I've got to go love bomb you because I don't think I'm worthy of you. All that bullshit games that we play with ourselves. It's all reactions. Pause. Respond. Do you really like the person? Do you really want to be with the person? Just That's something we don't ask ourselves. Does it really align with where you want to be in five years? Does it align with you with who you are today? Does it take away from you or does it add to you? Is it, inter, is it interdependent or is it codependent? These are huge topics that you really need to dive into. And we need to really understand this human being. And don't let, allow your definitions and a man to hold you back from who you can be for your children. Ever. Learn to heal. Learn to grow. Learn to evolve. Learn to fully embody all you are. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes, the, it takes the fortitude, the strength, the courage to face it all. Which is not easy. Stuff. So uh, we got a very expanding uh, Hall of Fathers. We used to call it the Hall of Fame, but uh, a lot of these podcasts we we, uh, <laughs> we switch it to Hall of Fathers. So I, I want to nominate this one, Doctor Young. Do you uh, also concur or uh, nominate this one as well, my brother? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I second that. Yeah, so this yeah. this was a great one. Great so, conversation. So if you had to pick a jersey number to hang up in the rafters, Michael, which number would you pick? Zero ninety-nine. Zero ninety-nine? I'm all I'm everything and nothing at the same time. I'm the beginning and the end at the same time. <laughs> like that. It's just the truth. We're all we're everything and nothing all at once. Yeah. Nothing is lack of ego. Everything is ego. You got to have the balance in between. Can't be all or one. You can't be nothing. You've got to be somewhere in between. Got to find the balance. I like the Alpha to Omega. I like knowing that there's everything and nothing at the same time. We're the beginning. We're the beginning and the end. We're just living and experience. Enjoy it for everything it is. The good, the bad, the ugly. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Nothing lasts forever. It's all temporary. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, and now I would like to give you, Michael, the opportunity to uh, promote anything that you want to promote. Uh, links to yourself, links to your stuff. You got a book that's coming out. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, I got my book coming out, which is my program that I created with how I help people to align on all three levels mind, body, and soul. It starts with direct connection to their higher power, whatever they perceive their higher power to be, understanding what their higher power is, and then it moves into self-forgiveness uh, because I believe that you can't forgive anyone else until you forgive yourself. And really asking for an really apologizing is to forgive ourselves anyway, to make ourselves feel better. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Uh, and then it moves into situational journaling so you can understand the role that we play and the role that others play in our life. And it takes you step by step through the process the book does. And it also provides context, like my life story, a very condensed version of my life story. It's a lot in a very short period of time and pages. It packs in a lot of information about my life and who I am and what I've grown through and come from. Um, but then it also has adds a lot of context in between these workbooks. But the workbooks are actually in the book. 
So you'll be able to do all this from home on your own, not needing anything. And then if you ever need anything, you can always reach out because I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, I'm the only Michael Paterano in all of existence, so enjoy and find me. I'm easy to find. And I appreciate you. I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm honored yeah. to be here. No, definitely. Uh, the honor is all ours. We, we're definitely glad to have you on, man. This has been a really uh, impactful conversation. I guarantee whoever hears this is going to get some value from it, for sure. But you said, is it out now, the book, or is it coming out? Dece December 12th. It can be pre-ordered starting tomorrow, oh, that's, actually. That's my birthday. There you <laughs> go, 12-12. Now I'm going to check it out for sure. I was looking at the magical numbers, and I'm like, 12, 12, 24 sounds great, but I really don't know what a year. I waited 44 to put this damn shit out there. I'm not waiting a year to put it out. Because 12, 12, 24 just sounded so good. So maybe that's the next book. Maybe the next one will fly out by then. But I like the magic numbers. I was going to ask you, you into uh, numerology? No. It's too much of a distraction. I just like the way it looks. Yeah. <laughs> There's Look, we are what we believe, right? So if you believe it, it's real. Because you're going to attract what you believe. So if you're looking for in, if you're looking for signs and you believe in numbers, you're going to see numbers everywhere. If you're looking for signs and you believe in birds and birds are signs, you're going to see the birds everywhere. If you're looking for signs and you know smoke signals or a certain cloud shape or you know the sun shining on the right cheek of your ass, like this is all going to happen when you believe it, because that's what we create. We are creators. So be a creator and create your world. Stop, stop sitting around and sucking it up. Like be, you know, put some, put some power into this life of yours, because nobody can do it for you. No one. Yeah, no, you're right about that. It starts with you. Hundred percent. Always yeah. does. Yeah. All right. So, uh, did you have anything else, uh, Doctor Young, before we close? No, I just say thank you. You know, appreciate you uh, giving all your time to to join us. No, I'm I'm definitely honored. I love I love talking to you guys, and I'm honored for what you guys do. And I think this is a beautiful thing. So I'm glad to be able to be here, and I'll support however I can. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. All right. So for myself, for Cerberus Spriales, for uh, my prestigious co-host Dr. Raheem Young, and also for our uh, special guest Michael Paterano. Uh, thanks for, again for listening to Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews and stay tuned for uh, further announcements.